I want to say first of all, actually, before I, I just delve into tonight's talk, I want to say thank you to the worship band. What, what a great job they've done. And uh, let's give them a clap. Yeah. It's really encouraging for me because I'm, I'm normally there, and that's kind of my safe place. And this isn't my safe place out here. But anyway, I'll give it a go. But to see them singing and worshipping God and sounding absolutely amazing is just brilliant. So well done, guys. And we're going to hear some more of them later on, okay? So, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to that. So, before I just get onto the theme tonight, my name's Matthew, if you don't know me. I'm a member here at Camborne Church. Um, I, I lead worship in the band here. And um, I'm, but I've lived in Camborne for about, well, since 2015, so close to, um, close to four years now. And um, I moved down from... Macclesfield in Cheshire. I live here with my wife Jessica, who's over there in the corner, and Josh next to him is my oldest son, Eleven. Hello, Josh. And Henry is around somewhere, no doubt, outside there. Oh, there he is. <laughs> there he is. That's Henry. Excellent. So that's uh, that's me. And um, yeah. So let me just. Um, I'm going to read the passage tonight. So we're going to. The the talk is centered around John. Um, I can't see that actually. 14, 1 to 7. Thank you. So here we go. I can just about read that about, which is great. Do not be worried and upset, Jesus told them. Believe in God and believe also in me. There are many rooms in my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I would not tell you this if it was not so. And offer, and, and after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take my, you to myself so that you will be where I am. You know the way that leads to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way to get there? And Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Now that, you have known, now that you have known me, he said to them, you will know my father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Okay. Powerful words. So, when I was a child, I occasionally ran away from home. And... Um, I'd get upset with my parents for some things I did. Um, I, I, you know, many things. I didn't do my homework when I was a teenager, perhaps. I didn't want to eat my vegetables when I was seven or eight years old. And these things sort of built up and got frustrated, and I decided to run away from home. But it was a bit of an issue. When I was a bit younger, I couldn't really um, cross the street without an adult. So I, I, I would just, I would pack up my bag and march out the house and then kind of walk around the block because I couldn't cross the road. And then eventually, I would get um, a bit lonely and um, a bit bored of just walking around the block and then decide to go home. And when I got home, I expected a big kind of like prodigal son moment. No, the, the, the son's returned home. He's, uh, he's, been, he's left us and now he's back and we'll get the, uh, the well, the, not the fattened calf, but maybe a nice meal get some clothes for him, get him warm. But usually the response was, well, your tea's ready. Come on, you know. Basically, 
my absence had not even been noticed. So there we are. Another story. So a friend of mine as well ran away from home. He was so fed up with his parents that he decided, right, I'm going I'm to pack up all my things, everything I own, into this huge suitcase. I'm going to move to the garage. So the garage. So I thought, right, so he thought, it's part of the house, but it's away from everybody else. I've got my own space. I'm going to just take myself there with everything I've got. I'm going to go. So he moved to the garage. It took him a little while to put all the things in the suitcase, dragged his huge suitcase down to the garage, and then he sat in there. And he sat in there a bit longer. And he sat in there a bit longer. And eventually, he just got a little bit bored. Of his own, of his own space, of his own time, there was nothing else to do. And in the garage, he could see, or here at first, he could hear his family in the lounge together, the rest of his family, watching TV, a cosy light sneak through to the garage. He could just open the door and see the lounge from where he was. And this kind of noise grew and this, this warmth grew inside him. And after a while, he thought, I don't want to be in the garage anymore. I want to be with my family in the lounge. So he, packed up, he unpacked his suitcase and went to join his family in the lounge. There we go. When I was, um, well, it, when, we, when I lived in Macclesfield, I, I worked for a company and I had the opportunity to travel quite a lot. And um, I went to places like America and China and around Europe and Hong Kong. And um, yeah, I was often away for a good number of days, you know, 10 days at a time, maybe even two weeks sometimes. And um, it sounded, you know, it sounds quite good when you, you, you explain to someone that you travel with work, you go away abroad, you go abroad. It sounds, people say, oh, wow, it must be so good to spend time in these amazing places and experience different cultures and, and um, meet new people. But in reality, it was more like it was an airport, it was a meeting room and a hotel room and maybe a restaurant if you're lucky. Then you come back home again. I actually once went to, to Hong Kong for a day. <laughs> so I was, I was on a plane for more time than actually, actually I was in Hong Kong, but anyway. But anyway, so every time I left home, and, and particularly when I first started traveling, Josh was very young. He was only one or two years old, and Henry had not been born then, actually. But I, there was this kind of, when I left home, there was always this overwhelming desire to get back home. So as soon as I left the house, closed the door, said goodbye to Jessica, I couldn't wait to get back again. I mean, you, you, your mind is focused on the work you have to do. This kind of thought would never go away, and it would never go away until I, man- I return home again. So I think we have this kind of spiritual desire to, to be home. So the boy who runs away, traveling away from home. When we lay down at night, perhaps we have a moment of peace. We often think that we must be created for something greater. This kind of spiritual desire to find our home. A higher calling. More of what we have. What does the world offer us when we think about these things? So, what does the world say? So the world will say you perhaps need more clothes. 
you might need the latest iPhone. I know, I, I something really, really winds me up actually, because I, I think I've often got, when I renew my contracts on my mobile phone, I get the latest phone, it's like, yeah, it's great. And then it's great until the next iPhone comes along, and it's like what I've got is obsolete virtually, and you have to have the next bit. But yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. The world says you have to have perhaps a better car, a bigger home, more money. Perhaps you should be going to the gym more to make yourself more attractive. But do these things actually make us feel better? I watched a documentary, um, this was last year now, and it was called, um, I think it was called Super Yachts or Mega Yachts, and it was about these guys who were multi-multi-millionaires, and they had yachts, and they had big houses and cars, and they had the kind of everything you could, you could wish for in life, in terms of material possessions, perhaps. But it was a focus on their particular yachts, and they were, they were just... Iron up. They, 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 they went into detail about the size of the yachts and how much money they cost and what was inside these yachts. But the, the, the amazing thing to me, to me was that actually these guys who had huge yachts which cost maybe 20, 30 million pounds in excess of that perhaps, they were disappointed because somebody else rolled up in Monte Carlo or wherever in, on the south of France with a yacht that was slightly bigger than theirs or more luxurious or had more marble or was longer, I don't know. And then they, 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 they were genuinely disappointed and wanted to, wanted to offload this amazing yacht they had to get the next biggest yacht. So these people have everything in life. There was one guy in particular, actually, who was, he had loads of very nice cars, a couple of Ferraris and a big house, and, but he lived alone. His, his wife had left him and he had... And he's just, it's, I actually felt quite sorry for him. And, and to me, it does seem a little bit kind of crazy in terms of logic that we, well, to, it's crazy to assume that, you know, if you have more of the same thing, is it actually going to make a difference in your life? I don't think so, really. So the reality is, that yes, we are created for something greater. As we spoke about tonight, God is preparing our true home in eternity. God is preparing heaven for you and me. And actually, unless we come to terms with this truth, we find ourselves running away and lost and with a constant sense of Emptiness. So here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. I'm sure you've heard of C.S. Lewis, a very famous author. Um, if we find ourselves with a desire to, that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I'll repeat what I just said before. So we, until we come to terms with the truth that we find ourselves running, we find ourselves running away. With a lost and lost with a constant sense of emptiness. And the reality is, yes, we are created for something greater. God is preparing our home in eternity. God is preparing heaven for me and for you. We're made for heaven. Okay. Who recognizes that symbol? Anybody? Shout out, feel free. 
Google Maps, well done. We all know that, because we all use it, okay? So there used to be sat-navs in cars, which are a little bit unpredictable, and you had some uh, lady telling you you're going the wrong way and rerouting, that sort of thing. And then now we use Google Maps because it's, um, it's everywhere. Anyway, so the reason why I've chosen to put this on the screen is that I think God is kind of like our spiritual sat-nav. So we talk about this home, this destination. We often will stray away from where we're supposed to be going. So the path that God sets us on, we'll look elsewhere, we'll try and go elsewhere. What happens when we, we set a destination in Google Maps, we put a postcode in or we get a place in and it sends us, it tells us how to get there, the most direct route, perhaps the, the most scenic route or there's alternatives. If we go off that path, what does Google Maps do? It reroutes us back to where we need to go. It never lets us go. We could drive from here to Australia and it'll still tell us how, where we need to go to. So we want to go Cambridge to Manchester. We go via Australia, but Google Maps will still find a way back. Sounds crazy, but it would work. So, God is our spiritual sat-nav. If we wander off the path, if we decide to go elsewhere, look elsewhere, God doesn't let us go. We sang that song tonight, Reckless Love. It talks about this never-ending, reckless love that won't stop at a mountain won't stop at a wall until he finds us okay leaves the 99 behind to find the one to find you to find me in that place where we've wandered off he reroutes us back to the place we need to never lets us go So the truth. So from John eight thirty one to thirty six. So Jesus said to these, to those who believed in him, if you obey my teaching, you are in, in, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are the descendants of Abraham. They answered, "We are. We have never been anybody's slaves." What do you mean then by saying you will be free? And Jesus said to them, I am telling you the truth. Anyone who sins is a slave. And, slaves, uh, and slave does not belong to a, anyone, a family permanently. But the son is therefore there forever, belongs there forever. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the two, I think the two crucial parts of that, that uh, particular the verses in scripture are you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now what is this truth we talk about? Well I've already mentioned it tonight. We need to accept that we are created for something greater than what this world can offer. Okay? Unless we come to terms unless we come to terms with this truth we will find ourselves running away and lost with a sense of emptiness. Okay. We're called for something greater than this world can offer. We are chosen by God. We need to understand that the word of God, understand the word of God, spend time in his presence, 
and reading God's word. If the, and if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed, except that through Jesus, God's Son, we are free of sin. Okay, so we come to life. I think everyone knows this passage quite well, so I'm going to read it anyway, because it, it, it's, it's so powerful. So simple, but so powerful. I have come in order that you will have life, and life in all its fullness. Okay. So, what is this life about that we talk about? What is it? I've pulled out three things that I think, I think are really key in terms of our life and our, our journey with God, okay? We have to accept, and I'll tell you this really, from my own experience and what other people have told me, that when we experience this life with God, it's not without suffering and pain, okay? It's not without hard times. So the awful, awful events last Sunday in Sri Lanka, that's the church being persecuted in that country. Absolutely dreadful, okay. Now, I think about particularly teenagers these days with social media, the pressure they're under to um, conform and um, be uh, socially accepted and constantly keep up to date with what's going on. And then, you know, social media become, can become, Harry, there's no other way of putting it. Social media in some people's lives can become a killer. Yeah? And that's what you guys have got to deal with. And it's It's hard. And also, um, I mentioned when I last spoke, um, I, did a, I did a talk last year about suffering and how, how God helps us in those times. So today would have been my mum's 70th birthday. But she's not here. We lost my mum four years ago to a rare and, um, and um, a short battle with cancer. So I wish she was here because, you know, we miss her. But... You know, in these hard times, God carries us. That's what's crucial. So we face suffering, we face hardship. But don't distance ourselves from God through these times. No, he's there and he is as close as he can be through these difficult times. I think we're also called to mission. Okay. So through John 14, 15, 16, Jesus' final address, the hours before the cross, the Bible says that he's going to wash the feet of his disciples. He's going to eat supper with them. And he's going to pray with them. His prayer, his mission, hours before the cross, is that his disciples would, be the, would unite in love. He says, and the passage we read, people will know that you are my followers by the way that you love one another. We talk about mission. We've just started a mission series in our church here. So isn't this a great, deep mission for our church, our churches to take away, our own lives, our own personal frontline 
and our church. I think quite often we're focused on growth and doctrine and denominations and um, the, the, the desire for mission is often clouded out or pushed to one side or is lower down the agenda. But this aspiration to be united in love needs to be our deep mission. Yeah? Our desire should be that our community, so the people who live around this, this church or your churches, or the people we're friends with, people we know very well that don't come to church, will look upon ourselves and our church and say that these people are connected with something greater. They are encountering real love, and they can see it in us. And that love comes from God. And the third thing is that we, in this relationship with God, in this journey, we fulfill our destiny. Jesus, in this passage again, hours away from the cross, he's not talking about death. Talking about life. He's talking about refocusing our, pro- our approach to life. Now, often we're, we're drawn to the physical life, so what the world tells us what we should be like, what the world offers us money, material possessions, etc., etc. We've gone into detail a little bit about that tonight. But Jesus is ours from the cross, but he knows that in three days' time, He'll rise again. Hallelujah. Can't we do better than that? Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you very much. And through the death of Jesus and his resurrection, we have an eternal home. Yeah? Come on. Well done. And we're made for heaven. And God says, I am the God of the eternal. Okay. So, just to wrap up then. So, I am the way. We have this, this, is, this desire in us to be home. And heaven is our home. I am the truth. We are chosen by God. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I am the life. God comforts us in our suffering. We're called to mission. And we're called to fulfill our destiny. That's eternity with God. Amen. I'm going to um, sing a song in a second, which um, I, I know we have to get away with not singing tonight, but there we are. My comfort zone over there. But uh, before I do, I, I, I just wanted to invite Kath, who um, spoke this morning at Camborne Church here and shared a poem. And I asked her afterwards, that, that poem was amazing. I said, Where's that poem from? Who's the author of that poem? And she sort of um, very humbly said it was, it was me. So I, I wanted to hear this poem again. And I know some guys here were not at Camborne Church this morning. And um, I think it's a poem that needs to be shared again. So what we're going to do, Cass going to read this prayer out. I'm going to sing a song. No, no, I'm going to pray after that. And then we're going to sing a song. Okay, so... The good news. The good news is this, 
As time began, already God had a rescue plan. For though we turned the other way, nowhere is too far astray for God's great love to extend, to bring his peace and to mend the broken pieces of me and you in his promise to make all things new. In ancient times, they did foretell the promise of Emmanuel, that in a child, God would come, a gift to us, his only son. And as the angels did appear and urged the shepherds not to fear, good news, they said, by royal birth, heaven reaches down to earth. In time, the child became a man, fulfilling God's ancient rescue plan. The good news of God's eternal favour poured out despite our past behaviour. In Jesus, God had come to stay, shining the light on a better way and a promise that we're not defined by the mess we've left behind that from fear and darkness we are free to walk a life of victory. In hopelessness we need not stay. The good news is Jesus found the way. And through the cross he's done enough to wipe clean the slate of all the stuff that holds us back and weighs us down and instead gives us a royal crown. And for all who turn their ears to hear or eyes to see, it is made clear that heaven reaches down to earth in a declaration of our worth. For we are wanted and adored, precious children of the Lord. The good news, a great rescue from above. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So can I just invite the band to come up? You start tinkering with it. John. Okay, we're going to pray. Just to finish this, this time, we're going to go back in some more worship. So I've taken the word pray and broken it down into four words. And I just want to invite you as we go through this, just to, I think, just go through this, these four points yourself. And uh, you don't have to speak out loud. Just this is a personal thing between you and God. Okay. So we'll just spend a few moments on each part, and then we'll we'll, we'll move into a song. Okay. So let's just let's just bow our heads and invite um, invite God to join us. So first of all, let's just say. Thank you to God. Let's give God some praise. 
just in your own, to yourself, just say thank you to God, whatever it is. Big or small, doesn't matter. God loves your praise. Okay, we now want to say, we're going to repent. So we want to say sorry. We want to say, God, sorry for what we've done. Whatever it is, Lord, just take it away. We don't want these things in our life, whatever they are, Lord. We want you to help us to take them away, Lord. We repent before you, Lord, and say sorry. Next, we're going to ask God to come into our lives. Okay. Lord, we invite you in. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your hope. We invite you into our lives, every part of our lives, Lord. Not just a Sunday, not just, not just encounter. Seven days a week, 24-7, Lord. And finally, we, we yield ourselves to you. We say, whatever it is, Lord, that you want from us, whatever it is, Lord, your word what you say to us, how we serve, what our mission is. We just say, yes, Lord, we will follow you.
Ever close, God above. 